Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Outer Spaces Podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, here with Dwayne Drum. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much, man. The stinking wind got me today. You know I mean, last time we talked, it was the clouds, and I thought the cloud gods were against me. So today, the wind gods were against me. So I was supposed to do this. It's, you have to do like a long cross-country flight, meaning I got to fly to two different airports, and it has to total 150 miles. So I picked this 168 miler to knock everything out completely. So there's no questions asked when that plane lands that I did it. And so I wake up this morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, get everything set up, and the wind is blowing up to 15 to 20 mile per hour. Now, if it was blowing directly down the runway at 20 mile per hour, I would have said, yeah, let's go. But I'm flying to two different airports in different directions, and 20 mile per hour sideways on an airplane trying to land is not the best thing. It's like trying to run in a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> Don't laugh. I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how my morning went. So I just went, I just took myself to breakfast and had some coffee. Good. That sounds good for sure. And get yourself squared away for the crazy day. And you know, today we wanted to talk to everybody about this whole concept uh, of imposter syndrome. So what we mean by imposter syndrome is, you know, a lot of people out there, not just in our industry, but in life, they feel like they can only be professional when they have, you know, certain letters after their name or they have a certain uh, goal achieved, whether it's the, the, a degree or something like that. And, you know, if they don't have those things, then they feel like they're imposters and they can't be professionals. And, you know, we're here to call bullshit on that, you know, when it comes down to it's, it's no more than a mindset and, and why that imposter syndrome, you know, why it'll, it'll keep you small. It'll keep you small-minded. You don't feel like you deserve as much, you know, because someone else has a, a couple letters after their name. They deserve to make more money, be treated more professional, and that's bullshit. There's there's no difference between you and that other person. The only difference is their mindset and that that additional, let's just say, piece of paper or that additional degree or whatever gives them, you know, kind of a, more of a confidence in what they're doing. Now, I'm not saying that about doctors and lawyers and people who actually need to have degrees in order to, you know, perform very uh, specific tasks. But it's more about some of the other things out there that don't necessarily need those kinds of things. And if you don't have that kind of a degree or whatever, it doesn't mean you can't be successful. Some of the most successful people on this planet didn't go to college, or if they did, they dropped out. So, you know, that kind of a mindset will definitely help keep you small. And the goal here today is to teach you about some of the different uh, strategies that Dwayne and I have used to break out of that imposter mindset, because we both suffered with it at one point, and to, to, to be able to help you break those chains and become free and realize that your life is only what you choose it to be. Would you agree, Dwayne? I love how you always ask that. Like you go through your thing and you say, do you agree, Dwayne? And I'm like, I'm, re I'm, like, I'm ready for it. You have no, like I'm sitting here at the edge of my seat. I'm ready. Come on, Josh, just say it. Just say it. 
<laughs> so you can't change that up, Josh. That has to be your thing. Every single podcast, you have to say, Dwayne, has that happened to you? Are you ready for it? Because I'm ready. <laughs> One time we're going to fire the podcast off, and I'm just going to be silent. I'm going to let you go for it. <laughs> Dude, this imposter syndrome has controlled my entire life. Like, this is a very serious topic. Like, man, it's taken a long... Like, I would be so much further in business if I didn't allow this to control me. I mean, hell, just releasing the energy of the... Th like, just when you brought it up, the topic, it gave me chills today. Isabel and I were just in the office today talking about this imposter syndrome and here's what I said, and this is what I said to you, and I was like, let's just hit record because I was going to explain this. And I was like, you know what? We just need to record it. There is nothing. Now, listen, other than doctors and things like that, but not an astronaut, not a pilot, not an engineer, not an architect, not anything, not anything on this earth that really needs a license to do anything. It is just our system and our government and for standards and safety, I get it. I understand it. And for laws and practicality, they put the license and these names and things against it. But if you study something long enough and you practice something long enough, you can be just as good as any of these other people who are doing what they're doing. And that's what happens to a lot of us. We get caught in, did we go to school or did we go to school long enough or did we take that extra class or did we get the validation or did we get this accredited? And if we don't get those things, dude, we will destroy ourselves. I mean, in a mental destroying to a level that's so powerful, it will hold your life back. It will hold your income back. It will hold back the joy of who you are. Wow. Like, like just even telling you this kind of shakes me up a little bit because I really didn't break free of this, Josh, until almost last year, I mean, a year before last, until I went to the UPW. Yeah, I was, I knew I was a landscape designer, outdoor living designer, but because I didn't go to school for it, there's no way I could be like, I was scared to show my plans to people, like my blueprints, because I didn't think they followed fit suit of what a real landscape architect or designer was. So I would never show my plans to anybody. I would always hide them. Like the contractors would see him and that was really it. And there's a lot of jobs that I wouldn't even do because I had to do the plans and I didn't want nobody to see him. So I would find some way to not to do the job and, and just go into the next client. Like it was, man, this thing can go on for hours of how deep and how long this held me back. It's so, so common out there in the world, not just in the outdoor living you know, design build world or landscape design build, hardscape design build world. It's, it's everywhere, right? It's just the way that our society we're taught to as, as we grow up and what society has kind of dropped on us that that's the way it is. You know, there's this old adage of this 10,000 hour rule, right? Have you heard the 10,000 hours where, you know, it, no one can truly be a professional at what they do, regardless if it's, uh, you know, using a chainsaw all the way up until, you know, a figure skater, let's say it takes 10,000 hours on average to become a true master at what you're doing. So you know, there's no shortcut to that. Beethoven, Mozart, all those guys took the 10,000 hours. They just started a lot younger. Chess prodigies, they just started a lot younger, you know, so then they, they, they grouped that time together. So 10,000 hours tends to be the amount of time it takes to become a master at something. So if you're just starting out, you know, it's, it's very normal to feel not enough. It's very normal to think there's no way I can hold a candle up to some of those other people that have that have the letters up to their name or or have put in their ten thousand hours. But you know, we're here as excellent examples of exactly what putting well more than ten thousand hours in can do to you in your life, 
uh, in your business as well. And you know, you don't necessarily need to have that college degree. Because I know a lot of people in our industry they didn't go to college for this, or if they did, this is something they did secondary, right? And and they feel like, all right, well, I can't charge what I should be able to charge for this because I don't have a degree, or I'm not a landscape architect, or I I don't I didn't spend you know three, four, five, six years in school, and that's all bullshit. Because at the end of the day. That's the beautiful part about a capitalistic market. It's really about your offering. It, how well does your offer serve the client and solve their problem? It's that simple. If yours is the best solution, regardless of how many letters you have after your name, you win. It's that simple. As long as the client can see that, see that perceived value. If they can't see it, if you aren't good at communicating the perceived value of how your services make their lives easier, easier than anybody else that could serve them to solve that problem, then you run into a problem of communication. But if your communication is clear, you could have two years worth of experience in this industry and crush it and have somebody right next to you as a competitor or someone else that you look up to that's had 20 years in this field but never really connected well with their client and never really understood their ideal client's needs, wants, and desires. Once you tune into that, I don't really care how many hours you got. Uh, that's really the, the key here is getting really good at doing that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a, a lot of sense. And like I said, I just I still go back to the energy of just having that, having that issue with the imposter syndrome. Yeah. No, I mean, I, hell, I had that for a long, you know, a big chunk of my career in the very beginning. Even though I went to school for architecture and all that, I got out and didn't want to be drawing houses forever. So, you know, I kind of jumped into the outdoor living design build world. And, you know, when I first started out, I felt small and, you know, uh, less than other competitors in my area. Like, oh, those guys, they have degrees. They have 20 years track record, all that stuff. So I often felt like I didn't really have much of a leg up or that I had to fight harder for them. But that actually just built a bigger grit within me, you know, at that point and growing and saying, you know what, one day I will be that person that others want to be like and that others want to achieve, you know, similar types of goals and, and uh type of life. So ultimately that's it, it's it's a matter of not an ego play where I'm trying to say, look, I want everyone to be like me, but it's more about trying to say, look, it's if I can do it, anybody can do it. Let's put it that way. And once you start working on your mindset and realizing that the imposter syndrome is very normal, it's a very common part of the human wiring. But if you can witness it and you can get around it and figure out ways to build your confidence and dance with it. Next thing you know, dude, there's no there's no stopping you because it, it's just a switch of mindset. That's all it is. It's no different. You didn't add any extra letters after your name. You didn't spend a good old expensive school. You just learn how to serve your clients better, which builds your confidence and your closing rate. It's very simple. Yeah, yeah. One, you know, one of the things that um, I, I'll, I actually had something else I was going to say, but I'll tell a story about how the imposter shouldn't have broke me. So hopefully, while I'm telling the story, I remember what I was supposed to say. But after that whole UPW experience, you know, where they do the Dickens uh, process. And they, you have to pick three things that you consider limited beliefs. And, and, you know, like Tony just destroys you on it. Then he makes you stick your finger in your nose and you mean all that garbage. And, and I get the finger in the nose is the most humiliating part about it. But I sort of get, I so got it after I stuck my finger in nose. And, and like, you know how you, you sound funny when you say it, like your nose is plugged. You sound like a freaking idiot when you say what held you back. And I think that's just such a powerful moment right there when you do that. Like when you stick your finger, you nose and say, well, one of my biggest issues was I wasn't a landscape architect. And so like, how can I grow this outdoor living design firm 
to a level of elite, elite status, especially in a Chicago market, and not being a licensed architect. Even though I've been, I went to school for architecture engineering, I've been drawing designs for such a long time. I study architecture to the point where I study it beyond landscape architecture. I look at homes, I look at how, I mean, I look at materials, I look at everything in detail, but yet I still don't think I am that one. And I remember going through that thing and sticking my finger in the nose and, I mean, you are a landscape architect. I mean, you are good. You are good at what you do. Here's where I'll hit the story, the success story to that is. So I get back home from the UPW and, I mean, one day I'll tell the whole story where I was going through it. I don't think it's ready right now. But, you I mean, I put on it this grind of my life. You know what I mean? My financial status turns around. You know I mean, my whole life just goes to a, a, a trajectory of positivity. And it's really that week was... My that whole that four day entirely changed my life, sort of like the Marine Corps did. You know I mean, that was 13 weeks of boot camp. That thing changed my entire life, even my financial structure, even my marriage. My the way I did, I hang out with the kids all changed. But I had this project downtown Chicago, and it's a condominium complex, and I get hired to draw a deck. Like I mean, I, not a roof deck, but a deck. I'm talking. 10 by 13, little ass deck. And they wanted a, a design to give it, I thought they just wanted a 3D, but what they really wanted is they needed a, a, a print, an overview print to give to the HOA so the HOA could approve the deck. So, you I mean, I jump in like, hey, I was referred in, I got it, and I charge a decent amount of money because there was like a minimum that I want to go a little lower. So I'm like, I'm sticking here, even though you guys want this, I'm not going to go any lower than this. So, so I was financially compensated for what I did. And so I do it. And then they tell me, you got to have plans ready for the HOA. So I'm like, holy shit. But then that that UPW, that rah-rah kicked in and said, dude, this is your time. This is your moment. This is who you are. So I draw the plans, detail. And what I do is I had a whole bunch of other prints that I had from other landscape architects and architects already saved up. So I study what they put on there, their writing, their insignia, their markings, everything. And so I just took some of the best ones, copied it, put it together. You know what? The HOA approved my plan for the project and then turned around and sent us an email, said, this is the official plan for every other deck that's getting done in this building. And there's 18 other decks that's in this building. I mean, I'm, I'm almost about to shed a tear explaining it to you. There's 18 other decks in this building. And now every single person in that area has to pay our firm to use our blueprints that I was scared as hell to draw for that. And it only, nothing changed other than going to this UPW and it's saying, stick your fingers up her nose and stop acting like a little bitch and do what you know how to do. Yeah, man, that's that's super powerful for sure. And you know, so much of that's between our ears. We have the capacity, we have the ability to do these things, but we think we can, right? Because you know, life is only how we see it. Put it that way. So if we're telling ourselves that we aren't enough, we aren't enough, we aren't enough because we don't have again those letters after our name, or we didn't go to a fancy school, or I don't know anything about business, or whatever it might be. You tell your story that enough, yourself that story enough, you're gonna end up believing it. It just it's a constant repetition. What's going through your brain? What's what's the head trash today? So when you start spinning that around and you start empowering yourself by saying, I am, fill in the blank, I am powerful, I am capable, I am uh, able to solve any problem that comes out at me, that I am type of personality, that I am type of mentality, you can change the world. You have to believe it. That's the biggest thing is finding the love and the confidence in yourself to believe that you can do it. Once you believe it, dude, 
there is no other way around. I mean, you, you sent me a post yesterday about the, the rat in the water. Dude, that was so powerful. Do you want to tell that story or do you want me to tell it? <laughs> I'll let you tell. That was really raw too. Yeah. So there were, back in the 50s, there was a, I guess it was a scientist, and they were testing out uh, how long a rat in a, in a colander of water could tread water before it was completely exhausted and almost drowned. And that rat would, uh, you know, it went and went and it swam and it swam and it swam and they studied it. And it was about 15 minutes before it was completely exhausted, completely exhausted. And they rescued it, of course, and brought it out. They gave it a bit of a break and they said, I wonder how long it could go around second round. Would it be less? Would it be more? Who knows? Let's try it out. So they put the rat back in the water and the rat treaded water and treaded water. And they're like, wait a minute here, 15 minutes. Okay. The rat's still treading water. More, more time, more time. That rat treaded water for 60 hours, hours with an H, because it believed it would get rescued at some time. Think about that. Before it didn't know, and all of a sudden it was rescued, and then it realized at some point it wouldn't give up because there's always hope. So my point in saying that is, you know, you know, coming back to the imposter syndrome is you don't have to have anything lined up. You just have to believe that you can. You have to have hope in a future plan in your mind. And once you have that in your mind, nothing can stop you if you truly believe it. That rat believed it. It believed that at one point it would get rescued and it kept treading water because it was holding on for that hope, right? And just like any of us out in business, there's times when things are really good and there's times when things are really bad, no matter what business size you're in, whether you're you know, a solo entrepreneur or whether you're out there with uh, 500 people in your belt. It's not the point. The point is that you're gonna be challenged, right? And when you're challenged, the question is, do you believe in yourself enough to pull yourself through, to know that you are enough and that you will figure it out. And that's a you know an answer only you can actually come back and, and answer for yourself. But building that muscle within your own mind and saying, you know, I don't care if others see me as a landscape architect, say, for instance, here, right? I, I don't care if anybody sees me as that. I'm going to go out and do the absolute best that I can do. I'm going to learn every single day. I'm going to study different architectural styles. I'm going to study other people's work. I'm going to figure out what my clients truly need. I'm going to figure out what they truly need to have in order to be comfortable and to enjoy their space the most. And that's what I'm going to offer. You don't need to have any of those other credentials to do that. This is just humans helping humans at that point. It doesn't really matter. You happen to do it through the outdoor living space. If you're an interior designer listening to this, it's the same thing. How do families integrate with the different spaces? What's What colors make them feel most comfortable and, and most at home? You know, and, and what different furniture looks nice with other pieces and all that. That's it doesn't require anything fancy. You just have to have an eye for it and understand who your end user is and be able to communicate that to them and make sure they see the same value in it. So that's about you know understanding your client really deeply. But you don't need to have all that other stuff. All you need to do is have a drive and a passion to do it, and, and you're all set with that. You already have enough inside you. You know, Joshua, a lot of the, um, the people that I see that hit the really high success levels in the industry, a lot of them don't have anything at all. Like, let's take a let's, – let's grab – I'll grab a couple, but let's grab Tony Robbins, okay? So Tony Robbins is, I, I still don't know what he is. Like, what is he? Yeah, he's hes a human developer. <laughs> he develops humans. Okay. Yeah. That's what I like to say. He's yeah. Not like, yeah, he's not like a motivational guy. Like, that's not motivation. Like, when you, when you hit somebody's core and you change their core trajectory or where they're going in life, that's beyond motivation. You know I mean, that's, that's life-changing. You I mean, so... He doesn't have a, a degree in psychology or any of this. Like he just kept reading and studying and learning, but yet he can have 8,000 people in a room and 
he's he's had me in a room who was at the time I was 43 and I was I didn't think I was a mess but when I got there I realized I was a mental mess and I leave this place and it's like foof my world opens up and I'm just gunning and just killing it every single day and having these rock star days and weeks every single day to the point where it's not stopping it's just keep getting bigger and bigger and greater like he wasn't. He's not a paid. I mean, he didn't go to school for that. Let's take uh, no another landscape designer, architect, a uh, guy that I really look up to. And I've been like, he was sort of when I decided to, to go into this route, I studied and watched and studied and watched. I had no clue. Like he had no clue I was watching him, but I studied and studied and watched him like, dude, I love what he's doing. Da, da, da. And I think I told you, he called me up like um, two months ago. And we had man a really long, powerful aha phone call. And here I am just watching him and he's watching me. I didn't know he's watching me. Like when he called me up and I found out who he was, I was like on the floor, like God just called. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, this guy. I mean, I've been watching this guy forever. Just like this guy's the shit. And come to find out, he actually has gone through the same type of schooling that you and I have. He didn't really do landscape architecture. He did architecture, engineering, just like you and I did. And his designs flow in that element of like, when you look outside, it's not just some plantings or anything. It is a true flow of the property indoor and outdoor. And he just does such a great job at it. And he doesn't have any degrees. He does everything. And he's like one of the best. I mean, the very best in the industry. My buddy, George Ocampo, I always get his name wrong. I call him El Campo Ocampo. He's probably going to kill me if he hears this podcast and I'm getting wrong, but it's just George. But George is like phenomenal. Like he sees the bolts inside the bolts. He didn't go to school for it. Let's take Sherry in Boulder. Like Sherry is like mentoring me right now. And when I talk to her, it's like I'm writing down the vocabulary words. You mean just some of the stuff she says and does. And she sees through the project and entire project. And it's just beautiful just listening to her. And you're like, you're like, whoa, like her energy is there. And she didn't go to school for it. You know, so do are we really being who is who's telling us that we're authorized to do this or not? But it's until we wake up and, and allow this to flow through us, we get stuck in this thing. And a lot of it has to do with your proximity. It has a lot to do with who you're hanging around and who you're around. Because, you know, 98 percent of this world really live in sort of a, a scarcity mindset and they're scared to maneuver. So that that two percent is not everywhere around you. So wherever you are, you're sort of stuck in this world without you know, being motivated and pushed. You're right. And then, you know, right back to your, your thought there about your, your environment, you know, you become the aggregate of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're hanging around with people who are just getting by, you're just going to get by too. So, but by replacing those people with people who are pushing, who are mentors, who are getting the results that you want to get and not scared to you know, create massive action and do things that scare the hell out of them each and every day, you're going to find that you're going to start doing that stuff too. And when you do and you plug into that energy, it's a complete launch pad. It, it's a launch pad to your life. And that's the incredible part about it. So regardless of where you came from or what your past is, you can leave that shit behind you. And you can start focusing on where you want to go, the ideal life that you have for yourself and your, for your family. And you start thinking through that and thinking, you know what? The only thing limiting my success, regardless of how you quantify that, your success in life is what's between your ears. What do you believe you can achieve? It's that simple. What do you believe you can achieve? And if you can believe it, you can achieve it. It's really that simple. And it's it sounds kind of childish, and you probably heard it a hundred times, but it is so, so true. 
And, you know, you first have to believe in yourself. That's the number one thing. You can't believe in someone else to be able to help you get somewhere. I mean, that's nice. But the reality is that you have to believe that, A, you have the capacity to achieve it, which I know everybody listening to this podcast has the capacity to achieve whatever they put their mind to. But the biggest question is, why is it important to you? And that's where most fall off. They can't figure out the why. They might want more money. Why? So you can spend more money, so you can buy bigger things, or so you can change the world. So your why, the bigger your why, the, the easier it is for it to pull you through the hard times. You know, the why is so, so important in this, in this entire conversation because if you don't, you'll be lost. It's like having uh, no GPS and you're driving from New York to California and you're just going to do it by pointing your car west and hoping like hell you're going to get there in three days. Like that's not going to happen. But when you set that goal and you've got a strong why, I've got to be there because there's a wedding I have to be there for. I can't miss it. The, you know, the, the, whatever the bride is my best friend, I've got to be there. You will move hell and high water to get there on time because your why is so strong. But if you go into, into business and be like, you know, I just want to make money. Well, you're going to make money, but that's about all. If you're there to impact people's lives very positively, you could do that too. But the question really is, what's the scale you want to work at? Is a couple of jobs a year enough for you? Put some food on the table, one in your pocket. Or do you want to really impact people's lives on a massive scale? And whatever you want to do, we just got to add a zero to it. You know, if $100,000 a year is good for you, then that's fine. That's what you'll achieve. If you want a million dollars a year, that's an extra zero. You're going to have to work 10 times harder to get there. Or put a team together that's going to work 10 times. You want another to zero? There's 100 times more. You can't expect to put in enough to get to 10 or $100,000 a year and you know, put in just that much and get a million out of it. Like That just doesn't happen. You've, you've, you've got to set your bar high enough that A, it scares you, and B, uh, that it's, it's going to add as much value to the market and to the world that will then translate into those types of rewards. That's really the most impactful part is to understand it's all economies of scale that way. Yeah. You know, one thing that I know is um, I'm going to, I'm just actually adding to everything you just said is that uh, the students that we have in the design mastery course, I think that when you look at them, I think every single one of them comes in there with that imposter syndrome. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to build this company to another level. And I have these clients who want nice stuff, but I don't know how to design. And they actually do. And they don't know if they're worthy of charging for the design. And I think that's a very huge imposter syndrome. And you notice that it didn't take much, like maybe two classes, three classes that they started charging clients for designs. And then they're drawing these phenomenal designs. Like, you mean uh, just the one, you mean Wes and Joel, like they're dropping stuff that I'm like mind blown. It's like, dude, you've been this all your life because you couldn't have learned this just today. Like, this is something that you wanted to do and you wanted to become. I think one of the biggest thing is we showed them that you don't have to be treated, you don't have to be the imposter anymore. You can actually just be. And people are waiting for you to be. Their clients are waiting for you to just be. I think that's something we've, we've shown them. Absolutely true. We, we live that ethos every day, right? So it's, you know, A, saying that you're worth it, that you that you can do this, that you're worthy of the... Uh, value that you bring to the table and then being able to communicate that the best way and I'm, I'm so humbled to see how our students move through and how they translate and you're right it's at the end of the day it's building confidence right they have a, they have a, a like-minded group of people they're tight within you know throughout the week and now it's a matter of them being able to work on growing themselves and growing their skills all in an environment of encouragement 
and to to help them with it's, it's at the end of the day it's confidence, Wayne. That's really what it dials into. And when the customer feels the confidence in your the way you assert yourself, the way you talk to them, the way you bring them through a journey that they can discover what they truly need within their outdoor space. And you can bring them through that with a full set of confident skills and processes laid out. I mean, it's a, it's a no brainer. Your projects are going to 10x easily, you know, just because you have that tool where that's what most people spend their entire lives trying to figure out. That's what I spent 20 years trying to figure out, you know, until we did. And then I'm like, okay, wow, now it's time to start helping others do the same thing, you know, because it's, it's, so powerful and at the end of the day it's no more than just building confidence in a process and the process you know yields results so that's really the cool part about it all but your to your point i believe it's always been in all the students it's always been in there just a matter of them allowing it to come out and not feeling like they're going to be judged for it or that they they feel like they aren't really worthy of the the name designer or something like that to that effect because they're like well i never went to school for design you can't call me designer like we're not calling you a doctor we're not calling you a lawyer we're not calling you any of those things. You know what I mean? What we're calling you is a designer. And a designer is someone who can take a problem and come up with a beautiful solution for it, regardless of what that, that is. You can design buildings. You can design outdoor living. You can design knickknacks for inside the house. It doesn't really matter. It's a matter of you understanding what your client needs and delivering that in the most beautiful way possible. So that's really the cool part to see them, you know, to see them blossoming and growing and to, to, to witness them take on bigger projects than they've ever touched before and to do it successfully and, and to just feel the same excitement that we feel with clients and being able to deliver those awesome results. Yeah. I listen to a lot of music. I used to be a DJ. So I have like a library of hip hop, reggae, you mean African dance. How I mean, I listen to a lot of music. And J. Cole has a line that says, I don't know the exact line of how to put it right. So don't I'm not freestyling right here. So, but he said, every man's a killer if you push him hard enough. And so you're like, what the hell is Dwayne coming out when he's saying this? But like, you take some of these cats who've been in prison and they can't afford an attorney. They can't get a, you mean, there's, they can't get a good lawyer. They know that they're in prison for something that they did not do, or, or they feel that not only they did not do it, they may have done it, but their sentence may be too long or whatever. These cats can study, learn, and understand the law to the point where they actually get themselves out of prison better than any attorney could have. And so that's what I I mean by every man's a killer if you push them hard enough. So they're pushed hard enough to realize that nothing is in their way and nothing can stop them and they can be who they want to be. Now, you best believe that if you and I were stuck in a mountain somewhere and you broke your leg or something happened and I'm not going to sit there and watch you die. I'm going to turn into a freaking surgeon or whatever it takes to get you right now. We're going to probably, I mean, we don't have time to study and read books, but we're going to help save each other. And so every man's a killer if you push him hard enough. So you just got to sort of be nudged and pushed over the, the hill and like, dude, you can be that. You are that. You could be that. Stop hanging out on the sideline, staring and hoping and wishing that you could be. You could be that. Like uh, one of the things about um, becoming a pilot, like a lot of people don't realize that is scary as shit. Like when you look up and you see those planes fly you're like, I want to be one of those. I want to be one of those. But you're just speaking it out of your mouth. It's not really happening. 
And so what you do is you sign up and you take your course and you do your first flight and you realize how bumpy and how unstable and how much control you don't have and how much you have to learn. It's like riding a bike all over again, but now you're doing it at 3,000 feet up in the air and the wind's bouncing you and pushing you around. A lot of times you come back and you like, maybe I need to rethink this whole piloting thing. Maybe this is not for me or who I am. You know what I mean? Maybe this is not. But then... If you have that why and you want it, you start becoming what it is. And you have to do it on your own. Like, you may have some encouragement, but you, you got to pay. I mean, every time that plane goes up, you're paying 180, 200 bucks. So, you, you know what I mean? It's not like you're going to go up and wasting your time for free. Like, you got to pay to go up. So then you really dig down deep and say, is this who I am? Is this who I'm going to be? Do I got to get over this, this imposter syndrome that I'm not a pilot or I'm not this? Because I got to be one really fast because this is what I said I was going to be. And then, God forbid, don't put it out on social media. You know what I mean? And you have like four or 5,000 followers and everybody's, hey, how's the piloting thing? How's the piloting? They don't know. Like, man, they don't know. I was scared as shit yesterday when I went up, you know what I mean, on that, that training flight. You I mean, they don't realize that. But it's like you got to get over this level of imposter syndrome. And that's really where you're – that like – that's where the success in life is. I think everybody who's holding back and waiting for this level of success, all these companies, all these businesses, all these companies who just want to stay in the truck by themselves, it's they don't believe that they're more. They don't believe it. I would absolutely agree with that. Or they just think enough is okay. And they don't they don't want to not necessarily don't want to try, they're just afraid they'll fail. Because if they'd mm-hmm. fail, what would others think? Right. Yeah. And if you set goals big enough and you keep them in your own head, then they never happen. Then they never happen. No big deal. But when you set goals big enough and you have to become something else in order to or something more in order to achieve them, to your point about the pilot, you know, in order to be a pilot, you need to go through the classes and learn how to fly a plane and learn how to manage you know, air and, and all that stuff. Things you never have to think about on the ground. But you need to do that. You need to spend the time and get your 10,000 hours in there in order to become really, really good and master that. But the question really is back to the, the question, why? Why is it important? Why is it important to you to, to be able to do that? Because you know, at the end of the day, it's your time. You only get so many spins around. You only get one, one trip around this rock. The question really is, you know, what are you going to do with it? And, and some will just sit back and not do a whole lot. And there's others out there, that 2% we talked about earlier, that will actually say, you know what, I don't care what it takes. I don't care the pain. I don't care what I got to endure. This is what I want. And it's not like you have to be – nobody's born with this in, in their head. Like they, they wake up one day at two years old and say, I'm going to do this. Like not many of us do it that way. We find things that really entertain us, keep us engaged, and – help us feel like we're, we're contributing to society and, and growing each and every day and progress is the main thing, right? So we're, we find something that we're truly passionate about. Next thing you know, we want to master it. And when those are the people that you remember, the ones that really try and do master what they're trying to do and that they focus their life on those goals. And those are the ones that really impact the world, not the ones that sit on the sideline and, and wish and hope and hope like hell something happens because they, they eventually don't end up anywhere. They just keep hoping or they set those goals in their own head and they won't say anything about it. And, you know, it's it's when you set a goal and you tell everybody you know about it, <laughs> you better figure that's done, right? Because the ego is going to kick in and say, man, I'm not going to have people telling me that, boy, you told me about this and you didn't do it, you know, because that's a big kick to the ego. So that's one great way to set goals and to have them achieved is by living it out loud so people can see it because everybody's going to talk just like you're the pilot. You know, they're gonna always going to say, how's, how's flying? How's that going for you? And if you're, you come back and say, I quit. You don't want that to be the case, right? So most people just keep their damn mouth shut. They don't do anything or don't stand for anything. So therefore, they stand for nothing. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, because that's the worst thing that can happen. I mean, I don't know if the, like, it's not the worst. Here's the thing. It's not the worst thing that can happen. You're just honest with yourself. Like, if you come back and you're like, well, I don't want to do this flying thing anymore and I quit, you're just being honest with yourself. I mean, that's not your, that's not your true trajectory and your why. You mean, like, if that was your true trajectory and your why, you'll figure it out, you'll shake it off and you, you mean, you'll, you take the, the hits and the bumps and, and you, you move on. I, I think so. The people who actually do quit, it's not that they're bad, but they realize that maybe this is not what I do or this is not for me. And where I commend them is, is they actually did it. They tried it. They took the intro flight. You mean, they went up there into the, into the skies and said, let me try to do this thing. And when that wind bounced them around and then the instructor said, hey, let's do a stall, pull the power back and, and pull the power back to idle and then hold the plane until the plane can't fly anymore. And it just falls out of the sky and falls forward. And you know what I mean? When they do that a couple of times, they're like, oh, you know what I mean? If they can't stomach that, then that's not what they... And they find something else. You mean that person will probably going to be a boat, a coxman, or a, you mean a, a motorcyclist? I mean, they're going for some scary shit. That just that was just that one just wasn't their scary shit, you know. And there's nothing wrong with trying things and finding your right spot for sure, but it, yeah. it's really a matter of knowing that there's always more out there for you, and mm -hmm. you just have to find it. It's no one else's job to find it for you or put you in the right position. It's you, 100% you. You've got to go find it. You've got to go out yeah. there and try different things and just find what sticks. Really what yeah, it is. I watch you hang from bridges. Yeah. Ain't no way in hell I'm hanging from a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> what, what you ran this morning with some tape on your mouth? Like, and there's no way in hell I'm running with some tape on my mouth. You know what I mean? Like, just to prove that you need to breathe through your nose. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> there's a couple of times it felt like I was drowning because I was hitting some heavy hills and I was hitting as hard as I possibly can. And by the time I got to those hills, you couldn't open your mouth to breathe. It was all through your nose. And yeah, I could have slowed pace down, which is what I never really did at the very top, you know, but still it's a whole nother thing. It's, it's train your mind when you feel like you're, you're drowning, but you're running. How do you manage your mind during that time? That's, that's mm -hmm. the big thing. You know, just like when you, they kill the engine in a plane, dude, I'd be pissing my pants, right? Like God, this thing's going to, you know, what happens if it doesn't come back on? What's going to happen? It's, it's just knowing you will figure it out. And once you can trust yourself enough to know that no matter what you're going to figure it out, there is nothing that can come at you in life that you aren't confident you can kill. Yeah. But you can talk about it and you can talk about it. And I guess until you actually get into that cycle of doing, you really don't know what you're, you mean, what the makeup of the decisions that you're going to make. Like, you mean, especially this podcast, there's a lot of small businesses. There's a lot of large businesses. And there's... um. The way I promote this, there's a lot of other people who are not even in our industry, and I'm not even apologizing. It's just how I market, guys. But <laughs> there's a lot of other people who listen to the podcast. Like, they better be. But anyway, when I think about the first company was Paverstone. Not the first company, but the first successful business that I really had that did very well um, was the paper patio business. It was a hard start, but it, was, it wasn't a struggle. You mean like we had some struggling moments where we went through like, God, this is rough or like how I'm going to pay this. And you had some sleepless nights. But this business, this VizX, this was an all out, I want to say a lot of dark moments where this one, you mean everything you read about a business owner that I mean sometimes before they become successful, they have these moments where they're on their hands and knees and they're praying to the stars in the heavens just save me. You know what I mean? Just save my mind. You know I mean, even if you're going to take everything from me, just save my mind. And you have some dark, you mean, moments and dark, scary nights. You mean, and there's one of the things that I read about, like, I think they were talking about like Australian, 
uh, secret forces. There's like a training program they go through, and they climb the mountain on the backside of the mountain. They climb, 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 and they got to climb back down the mountain, and then they hit like this little hill and plateau. And this whole process takes like two, three days. It's not like one day. It's like, you mean two days to climb, another day or so to get down, and then they see the plateau, and they come down the plateau, and the row of trucks are there, and they're coming in there and seeing like, oh, shit, the trucks are there. I got it. You mean we're, we've done, we've passed our course and right as they get close to the trucks, the trucks leave and the instructor comes back and says, hey, training cycle is you got to go back and we'll pick you back up on the other side. So you got to go back up the mountain. You got to you go back through the process. And we'll pick you up on the other side. They haven't had food. You mean, not have anything. These guys are tired. So the, the raw dogs, they like, OK, I want this. And they turn. They like, you know what? It's bullshit, but we're going to go do it anyway. And then the people who were like, I had enough. They just like throw their hands in the air like. I had enough. I'm not doing this anymore. And they just, they put their bags down and they're done. And as soon as they put their bags down and they're done, the trucks come back and they pick up the people who were about to go do it again. And I feel like that's sort of the passage that I went through getting this business to this point here. There were just, there were just the highs, the lows, the failures, the up. There was points where you thought you had it and you failed again and, and that fail was bigger than the other, but you I mean, you still went back and get it. And and I tell you, Josh, that's why I like you. This is such a powerful topic. A lot of that was based on the imposter syndrome. You mean a lot of what was holding it back was I never really released and let myself realize that this is who you are. You mean, I thought that I was it deep down just keep laying pavers. Go back to the paver guy. You're the paver guy. You're not in this elite line of designers. You're not him. So you need to go back to the paver guy, like even to the point where I even feel like the job fell apart on me because the contractor went out of business. But it's almost like I even mentally sabotage that job just so I can be the paver guy again. And I had to fly back and forth to North Carolina on my own dime and went flat broke being the paver guy all over again because it was like my mind kept saying that's who you are and that's all you are. And just keep laying the pavers. And not that the pavers were bad. I still love doing them to this day. But I know I, want, I wanted to do something better. I wanted a different challenge. And if I keep running back to that, I'll never have gotten to this challenge and getting there. And it was like getting over that imposter syndrome. Like, I seriously thank you for you mean, sending me to the UPW. I really do. I really, 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 like, thank you. I, I know you're, you're just a man. Like, okay, Dwayne, leave me alone. I'm just a man. But by you saying, dude, go to that UPW, changed my life. It really did. I appreciate that, man. It changed my life too. And I'm so glad that you got a lot from it. Some go and they get nothing from it. I'm just really, really humbled that you, you know, went full hearted into it and, and took as much as you did. And now you're able to serve humanity at a higher level and to live each day more fully and more fulfilled. And, uh, yeah, I love that we get to share this journey together too, dude. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. This is dope. And, and I mean, we got the podcast now we have, uh, the design mastery course. We have all these businesses that spawn from this that's really helping people grow and businesses grow. And to see these guys do what they're doing, it's just, man, it's just, it's so amazing and so powerful watching these guys take off. Like, I'm watching my contractor, like, who does this? My contractor right now has more information that he doesn't even need me to sell anything anymore. But, like, who does that? You know what I mean? He can, he's on his own. He has his own program where he's teaching people how to build and how to grow and how to do their thing. He doesn't really need to work with me 
anymore at all. That doesn't, it's not going to change his financial structure at all. But I guess we have such a respect for each other now that he opens up, matter of fact, he, he opened up another crew just for our business. You know I mean, so I have a dedicated crew that handles only our jobs and he has another crew that does the work that he has that he's bogged down for. You mean it's just that type of level of respect we have for each other. That's so powerful, especially as you're growing to have others, you know, a part of your team that all want to be part of it and grow with you. And that's really the big thing because, you know, with imposter syndrome, a lot of times it's, you know, what if our clients realize that I don't have a degree in landscape architecture? I know that was something that was in the back of my head too. Like I don't have the credentials. Like if I'm, if I'm competing against some people that do, that makes me less because I don't. So I always kept that very quiet, like, yeah, well, I'm a designer, that's what I do. I do outdoor living design and kind of landscape designer, keep it quiet, don't say it too loud, because if somebody said, okay, you are, so where'd you go to school? I didn't go to school for landscape design. Okay, then then how did you get all these awesome projects on your website? Because I've studied 10,000 hours, I've been out there, I've laid the pavers, I've built the water features, I've built the structures, I've, I've landscaped, I've lighted for years and years and years to build that ability to do these things. I don't know whether your people coming out of college have all that field experience, the commonsensical stuff, the the practical application. Uh, a lot of that comes from books and ideas, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you can't take the ideas from books and translate them into usable spaces, how good is it? You know, so there's there's a fine balance between the two. So, you know, I divorced that idea years ago, thank goodness. Um, you know, the imposter syndrome and realized that, you know what? I can absolutely knock it out of the park each and every time. There's no doubt in that. If they don't believe in me or believe me, that's not my problem. That's on them, not me, because I know I can do it for sure. And that's just what it is. And I don't take it personal if somebody doesn't want to work with me. I'm fine with that. I don't really care. I'm like, you're just not the right fit. It's not that you're better or worse. You're just not the right fit. Just like if you're going on a date with somebody and you get there and things just aren't right, it doesn't mean you're a bad person or a good person or they're a bad person or a good person. All it means is that you guys just don't fit. And you can have that with customers too. It doesn't mean that you need more schooling or anything like that in order to become good for everybody because you are never going to be always good. You know, you're never going to be good to everybody. It's always going to be some people aren't going to fit the mold no matter how professional, how good, how many degrees you've got. doesn't matter. You're always going to have some that don't fit. That's just what it is. Yeah, I um, was in an office today. It's pretty neat. Like we got this new office and when we have conversations, we're not close to each other, but we can hear the conversations now compared to working from home when we were in separate rooms. But client that I mean it's a project going on and I have a certain standard for the projects now that we have to do we don't have to do all the plants but we got to do them because I got to do lighting I need the flower beds in like I got to have a finished job you know what I mean so if you want to go and put those, those soft coloring and stuff in later after we're done great but as of right now we got to go so a client sent a message say hey you know Dwayne we're going to do that next year and without any haste or anything I just said hey you know we can't do that so unfortunately we can't do the job and my wife looks over and she's like, whoa. And she said something, Josh, that was really powerful. She just said it today. She said, when a man realizes who his value is, she said, now there's no stopping him. And she said that today. And that was really strong. You mean for her to say that? And he said, when a man realizes what his value is, there's no stopping him. And before, I would have just, yeah, and taken it and, you mean, and, been abused by the job. It would never have gotten done the way it was internally. I wouldn't have been happy and it would have taken some money, done a job and not happy about what I did after taking money and paying bills and things like that. What a horrible way to live when you really think about that is, and it's only because I would have been stuck in, well, since I'm not a really a designer anyway, 
I mean, I can't really have design jobs where it's really a design job. You know I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you're stuck in that world. And, and I hope whoever's listening to this podcast can understand the depth of what we're saying. Like we're not, you I mean, like it's a really deep subject when you're talking about getting rid of that imposter syndrome and all of us have it. Like my attorney, him and I went out to lunch one day and he was telling me he have, and I was like, Whoa, your attorney, like you had it too. Like everybody that I talk to on their way up in their career, even college degree people still have the imposter syndrome. Yep. No, I absolutely agree, man. So yeah, I hope that everybody's listening here realizes that uh, no matter who you are or what level you are in the world, this is something we all have to manage as humans. It's not something that you own. So if you think it's your your little devil on your shoulder, realize that we we all at times have that uh, little devil speaking into our ear. And to in order to get around that, you just have to start believing in yourself. And the way you do that is by you know by being silent. This is how I do it at least by being silent, being with myself, putting my hand over my heart feeling it beating and realize that everything I possibly need in this world is already in there. Everything else from the outside just doesn't matter, but the drive, the passion, the love, connection, it's all there already. I don't need anything from the outside. So, you know, hopefully that helps you guys out on your journey. And if you can get still with yourself each day for even five or 10 minutes and just put your hand over your heart and just realize how grateful you truly are to be alive and that you didn't have to earn this heart. It's already there for you beating. And don't forget about it because there's so much, so much love and, and gratitude in there. Just make sure you can capture it and live your life with it. 